Hello, and welcome to Into the Fire, a Burning Coal Theater Company podcast series. Hi, this is Jerome Davis. I'm the Artistic Director of Burning Coal Theater Company, and I'd like to welcome everyone to Into the Fire, the Burning Coal Theater Company podcast series on all things theatrical. Today we have a very, very special guest, Trish Hawkins, who originated the role of Sally Talley in Lanford Wilson's Pulitzer Prize winning play, Talley's Folly, which we will be performing here on or about the 40th anniversary of the play, and here at Burning Coal Theater Company, running January 23rd through February 9th at the Murphy School in Raleigh. Miss Hawkins uh, was uh, and is an actor of uh, considerable uh, accomplishment. Uh, I won't go through everything, but I will say that she worked with the um, esteemed Circle Repertory Company in New York City in the 1970s and into the 1980s uh, and did uh, premiered the role of Sally Talley in uh, 5th of July, which I consider to be one of the great uh, plays uh, written in the English language in the 20th century. Uh, Talley's Folly, the Pulitzer Prize winner, and its follow-up, Talley and Son. Uh, she also appeared uh, in uh, one of Mr. Wilson's earlier plays, Hot L. Baltimore, had wor- a, a great deal of work on television and shows like The Equalizer, and um, a film version of The Mound Builders by Lanford Wilson. Uh, Miss Trish Hawkins, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Just wanted to uh, make sure that no one misunderstands. Uh, it's an interesting thing. You mentioned the three plays in, uh, in which Sally Talley appears. The first one you mentioned, Fifth of July, of course, she appears in that as an older woman. Right, that's correct. So I didn't play that role. Uh, right. It was um, Helen Stenborg mm-hmm. played that role. Right. Uh, yeah. But you did, uh, Sally, in both Italy's Folly and, and then in the third play in the trilogy, Italian yeah. Son. Yeah. Well, yeah. let's uh, back up just a little bit from that and start. Uh, where are you from originally, Miss Hawkins? And, um, and how did you get involved in theater? Is that something your family was involved with or...? Uh, no, no, not at all. Um, although the minute you said that, I thought of my my grandfather, who was a newspaper editor, reading uh-huh. out loud from uh, uh, Dylan Thomas. So, mm. I mean, there was a little bit of theatrical bent, I suppose. There yes, absolutely. The but, um, yeah, no, I, I, uh, my father was a uh, highly intelligent academic type. And um, I was born in West Hartford, Connecticut, which is uh, where my grandparents lived. And then we we moved around a lot when I was growing up. My father uh, worked um, for a so-called like think tank type thing in Washington, um, researching uh, war, I hate to say it. He finally was driven out of that because he, during the Vietnam War, he went back to being a professor. <laughs> right. Right. But uh, yeah, and then I just, um, I'd always wanted to act. There were always barriers to me acting, it seemed like, but I always wanted it. And I went to a wonderful acting school um, after I went to college. 
Uh, Where was I college went. for you? Uh, well, I guess I have to say it was Harvard. <laughs> uh, because you can I say that a, out loud. I did get a Harvard degree, but um, I always thought of it as Radcliffe. Uh -huh. But my graduating class was the first class of women from Radcliffe uh, to get the Harvard degree. The Harvard degree. And that was in the theater or some other subject? No, they didn't do that there. They didn't have uh, classes in theater, but they had a wonderful theater program. Right. I actually majored in German literature because I had lived in Germany. Oh, that's interesting. Years yeah. when I was growing up. Sure. And uh, that was uh, pre-Robert Brewstein. Uh, uh, he, yes. he, he would have still been at Yale, yes. I guess, at that time. There were some interesting people there at college. I was strictly uh, small potatoes in college. Uh, Stockard Channing was there, t uh, Tommy Lee Jones, um, uh, you know, uh, yeah. uh, Tom Babe, who was a wonderful playwright, playwright and right. Timothy yeah. Mayer, who was a wonderful uh, director. So it was very, very exciting uh, theater scene. A lot of good, good people, especially you, for college. <laughs> you had the opportunity to work with those folks or watch their work. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. interesting. But where did yeah. it start? Uh, you said you always wanted to do it. Do you remember the first time that impulse struck you? Was it while watching a play? Was it hearing about somebody else who had done a play? Or what, what, do you remember well, your first time in the theater? Hmm, that's interesting. I don't know if I do remember my first time in the theater. But I, I remember the fir my first ambition was not to be an actor. Actually, it was to be a ballerina. Uh -huh. And that came after I saw something called, I saw a ballet down in Washington, D.C., an outdoor ballet. And with it, they had the dancing waters, which were fountains that moved to music. Uh -huh. And it was seeing those fountains that made me, I guess, to want to perform. It was interesting. That's very uh, interesting. Uh, yeah. And uh, then uh, I studied ballet and eventually... Um, gave it up because it was it was so demanding especially right. at that young age right, right. Uh, and then I, I i i'm trying to think when it really I, I was still undecided when i went to college i was still undecided whether i wanted to be a writer or an actress actually um but then when i went to college i happened to hear about the neighborhood playhouse which was an acting school in new york that sure. sort of into and they had a summer program. So after my freshman year, I, I went to New York, which was incredible, <laughs> uh, and uh, went to the school, which really opened my eyes to what acting was. Because I was never technically, so to speak, I was never one of the stars of wherever I was at. But when I went to the Playhouse, I, I got onto something that had to do with really um, paying attention to the other person, really listening, mm, and really allowing authentic responses. And that, that turned me around completely. And I thought, oh, my God, that's what I want. You know? Was uh, the uh, Sanford Meisner, was he? Uh, Sanford Meisner, yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's very interesting because our director, uh, John Gully, who um, has worked with our company a couple of times, uh, and teaches uh, at the University of North Carolina at Greensboro is a huge uh, proponent of Meisner's uh, work. And uh, I okay. hear 
I hear uh, talking and listening, talking and listening over oh, and yeah. over from him. Yeah, so that's yes. uh, that's quite a quite a coincidence and uh, yeah. and uh, a lovely one at that. Uh, so your father, I imagine, as a as a writer uh, and as an academic, was influential. Your your mom as well. Your mother. Yes. Well, my mother was um, very very vital. She was and very social and very. Um, and very true too. Very not a not a, I, by social. I don't mean she was superficial. She was just had a lot of vital energy. And I think growing up, I was always kind of Mrs. Hawkins' daughter kind of thing. You know, I mean, because I just didn't have that vitality. But I think I found in the theater, uh, the theater really brought out that feeling of vitality in me. So. So you've uh, you've got to New York. You're at, you're just out of college, and you've uh, uh, become associated with the Neighborhood Playhouse, and th that is the kind of trajectory that many young people, uh, boys and girls, uh, have. How, how does one go from there to to Broadway star? <laughs> there must there must yeah. be a couple of other steps in there. Well, what, a lot uh, of a lot of luck, yeah. you know, a lot of luck because I I. Uh, uh, someone I had met, you know, the boyfriend of somebody I had met in a in a production I was in. Uh, well, actually, my first role, my first thing that I got was because of I I had a boyfriend and he was playing in the band right. for a rather notorious show called O Calcutta. Oh yeah, <laughs> Kenneth Tynan. And, and the, so I had seen that show. I mean, there were there was nudity in that show. Um, a lot of nudity, and uh, yeah. but I had seen it so often because my boyfriend was playing in the band, and so when I um, shortly after I got out of the playhouse, I thought, well, I'm going to audition for it. And so I did that, and then I met someone there whose boyfriend was directing a small little workshop production at Circle Repertory Company. Right. They were at that time over a, a tailor shop up at the Upper West Side. Oh. And, uh, but then later I went there to see a production that they did of Three Sisters and I realized that something very good was going on there. And I right. thought, God, if I could ever work there, it would and be this wonderful. would have been uh, the late 60s, uh, early 70s? Um, yeah, let's see. Yeah, late 60s. Right. And, and Circle Rep, for any of our listeners who don't know, is uh, one of the great, uh, possibly the great American uh, theater company from, I would say, that certainly the second half of the 20th century. It was founded in the 1960s, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, by Marshall Mason, who was uh, one of the <laughs> primary directors. And I guess... Um, Lanford uh, Wilson was was a, an early part of that company as well. Yes, they knew each other. Uh, they and they and Marshall had directed a couple of Lanford's early plays at Cafe Chino, mm -hmm. uh, which. Uh, but he uh, Lanford also had a, a bit of a commercial career going. He had had a play on Broadway. He had had a play down at the Washington Theater Club and. So he was a little bit beyond, uh, but but he was interested in Circle Rep, and um, over time, as he came more and he saw us working, he got really excited by the actors, and he said, "I want a home. I'm going to 
come here and he wrote a play, uh, Hotel Baltimore, basically for all the people that he loved so much at Circle Rep. Mm -hmm. And uh, then he continued to work that way uh, a lot. He would write for particular people a lot, sure. um, either as something he knew they could do well or as a challenge. Uh, and he hung out in the theater offices and uh, was, it was like a, he, you know, it's like a home, like a family for him in particular. When did the company move downtown to the 7th Avenue uh, location? Yeah. Gee, um, well, I think the first play we did there was uh, Battle of Angels by Tennessee Williams. Right, right. But I can't remember the, I'm not sure I can pinpoint the exact year. Uh, let's see. Well, we had already done, uh, we had already moved Hotel Baltimore to a bigger theater off Broadway. Right. And I was in that. So it was, I guess it was around 73 maybe that that you moved they, down, yeah. You moved down there. And, and uh, Judd Hirsch, who, who would be your uh, stage partner in Tally's Folly, um, was in, uh, I always call it Hot L Baltimore, but uh, the right. Hotel Hot Baltimore, L. yeah. No, uh, I think Hot L is how you're supposed to say it. I guess I always said hotel because to me as the character, that's it was always Hotel Baltimore. Hotel Baltimore, sure. Uh, uh, yeah. And uh, had he been a company uh, from early on, or did he come uh, in? No, he, he uh, actually, neither of us were really the found, you know, in at the very beginning. We came a little bit later, and he came a little bit later than I did. Uh, someone else was going to play that role of the night clerk uh. in the hotel, but couldn't do it. And uh, I think Lanford had seen Judd in a play and uh, invited him to yeah. take the role and uh, he was he, yeah he was pretty amazing in that I mean a very it's, it could be regarded as a small part but um, he was uh, he gave the whole thing he anchored the whole thing as the as the clerk the right. desk clerk you know Right. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, working with uh, Circle Rep? There, there are a lot of theaters that come and go in New York City, and some of them attain a, a great deal of success, uh, but not many of them have the stick to itiveness, uh, you know, that stay around and have the the sort of nuclear center of them hold for as long as uh, Circle Rep did, um, close to thirty years, I guess. Um, what was it like working in that company? Did you, did you spend a lot of time in the building? Um, obviously you did when you were performing, but, but when you weren't performing, were you there a lot as well? And um, Yeah, yes. Uh, although I did do other, other things. I went, you know, sure. out of town and did other plays and stuff. Mm -hmm. But I was really, we were all so lucky to have a place where we just, we knew that the people there really, um, they liked us, they loved us, you know? Right. And uh, that's very rare for an actor. Right. Uh, and not to have to audition, things like that. Of course, that can, that can be a drawback too, uh, if it gets uh, too, um, if there's not enough new blood and stuff. But there was always new people coming in and it was never taken for granted. 
the new people were right. welcomed uh, as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Very much so. and for those who don't know, can you talk a little bit about the company, about the people who were in the company? Uh, Lanford uh, Wilson, obviously yourself, uh, Judd Hirsch, but there were a number of yes. people who had very successful careers there, both as writers and as actors. Right, right. Um, well, of course, the movie stars come to mind, you know, Bill Hurt, right. uh, Jeff Daniels, um, and uh, they were uh, amazing people, and ama I mean, amazing, um, very different from each other, but uh, very yes. uh, beautiful. <laughs> Christopher and, uh, Reeve uh, was involved with the company for a while. Christopher Reeve was involved. Um, yeah, I'm, uh, uh, yeah, well, I'm sorry. <laughs> I should have written these things oh, no, down. I'm sort of drawing a blank. But yes, there were a lot of really good actors. And, they, and it did manage to keep together yeah. for a good long while. Uh, I know that um, some, uh, someone like... Um, uh, John Robin Bates uh, had some mm -hmm. association there. Um, Julie Bavasso, who was my first oh, act acting teacher in New really? York. Really? Uh, yeah. Oh, Julie yeah. Bavasso. Yep. Yes, I'll never forget. Uh, yeah, her play there. Gosh, down, down by the waterside, where the water lilies are disfigured every day. Right. right. <laughs> that was the name of it. Which had started at Yale, I think, if I remember oh, really? right, and then came into the city. Yeah, yeah, she had oh, a class. Do you know she... June Stein by any chance? No, I don't. Oh, because she was a, also a student of uh, of Julie Bavasso. Well, I, I might have been in a class with her. Um, yeah. Oliver Platt was in that class for a while. Um, so that was a, a pretty high-powered group. Jim Leonard was one of the writers yeah. there. Uh, yes. uh, Mark Medoff, who passed away recently. Just an extraordinary uh, who's who of uh, American playwrights in the, yes. really from the 70s onward. Um, and uh, so that, that must have been um, heady times for an actor. And um, I'm sure you would, you would experience the other end of the industry, you know, the waiting around for somebody to cast you. But suddenly there's this company that's making its own work and it's not doing it yes. in the far-flung yeah. hinterland, but it's doing it right in the heart of, um, you know, yeah. the, the cultural, cultural center of America, I think. And so that and it was a company of, of, of actors, as, as you were saying, playwrights, directors, right. lighting designers, set designers, every, you know, everybody, it was a company for all of those people. Right. Did you, uh, did, did the company want something? Were they working towards something? If you, is there a way to express express the company's, uh, you know, today we say, what is your mission? I don't know if that, that's too, uh, mm -hmm. you know, highfalutin a phrase. Yeah. But what did you want? What did the company want? Well, I think that the central figure really probably was Marshall Mason, right. the director. Right. Uh, and his, um, because he drew, he drew people who happened, who he happened to know, but he also drew other people who saw his work and were drawn to, I want my play to be also brought to life in that way. He, I don't think his mission, oh, 
sorry. I don't think his mission was so much um, a particular subject matter or cause, but rather the actual uh, theatrical life. Now, I shouldn't say theatrical because not theatrical in the bad sense, uh -huh. but to the way he ran a rehearsal, the way he set it up for the actors, the way he uh, gave everyone such freedom and uh, um, allowed people to really uh, come to life. You know, that was his, his thing to, to take a playwright's words and uh, really bring them to life in a way that would be more real and more um, spontaneous than people were used to seeing. So everything's not preordained uh, by the director. He's letting the actor inhabit the role and, and interact with the other characters and, and <clears throat> working probably more slowly. Um, yes, he used to work his way through a play very, yeah. very slowly, yeah. section yeah. by section. Of course, some of us griped about that from time to time. We wanted <laughs> him to do it differently or say, say different things, but Looking back, I think that was what that was, that was what his uh, real contribution. It seems like what you're describing is a perfect fit for the kinds of playwrights that were gravitating towards circle rep uh, at that time as well. So yeah. seems yes. like a really good marriage. Do you remember? So Tally's Folly actually was was written after Fifth of July. Yes. Um, and so 5th of July had become a, a, a big hit and um, I think made it onto the Broadway stage. And then Tally's Folly came along. Do you remember when, um, when you first got that script? Do you remember what mm -hmm. you thought? And well, I remember when I first heard of it, you know, I, I, was, um, I was kind of out doing other, other plays of other places right at that time. Uh, but I, I somehow was with Lanford and we were walking down the street in the village uh, near where he lived. And he had this, these pieces of paper with uh, Matt Friedman's opening monologue mm -hmm. written. Uh, usually he heard voices and he'd hear one voice and then, then later it would start, you know, another voice would come in and they would start talking to each other. But he right. had this first opening thing and he, I remember him reading it to me and I was so uh, excited by it because it was kind of different from, it was such a great character for him to write. I was thinking that today, how a, a, a boy from Missouri could write right. uh, yeah. Matt Friedman, you know, from yeah. where? Lithuania or whatever. Right, that's correct. Uh, probably uh, Lithuania. And a Jew. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. And then uh, 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 the next thing you know, he's handing you uh, pages that include uh, Sally. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. He, was, he was writing it with your, your voice in mind? Yes, he, um, I think he didn't begin it with my voice in mind. I don't, uh, but he, he, then he took, then he took me in, kind of, and uh, mm -hmm. yeah. And, and how does that work uh, as an actor? Do you uh, say uh, where do I stand and when do we open, or, or do you say I don't think Sally would say this? I mean, you know, do you do you is there give mm -hmm. and take there with with the playwright under uh, those circumstances? Not so much. The I mean, not certainly not 
uh, just where do I stand or whatever. But on the other hand, it wasn't like, uh, because Lanford was such a brilliant playwright and he had gone over it before the actors even got it. He and Marshall had really gone over it. So it wasn't um, as if, and also in the way we worked, we had to memorize the section that we were going to work on that day. We had Mm to know it. Uh, so perhaps when something was awkward or something, perhaps <laughs> without even knowing it, we would memorize it in a slightly different way. And usually nobody complained about it. Right, sure. But um, but on the other hand, um, you you would uh, you would not easily uh, say you know she wouldn't say that because uh, it might probably would be more beneficial to really go into that as uh, figure out what he's saying what that mean. yeah sure sure yeah. um and uh, did you know when when you um when you got the material um did you know how good it was i don't think so i don't think i did know i that was true of all of his plays i i, I didn't really it's hard to really read a play and his plays in particular, I think, you know, once they start going, then you really realize what, what he, although I went back years later and just sort of reread Tally's Folly in, a, in, a, in the book, in the printed book, you know, just as if I had nothing to do with it. And I was amazed because yeah. the whole thing was written in poetry as far as oh, I yeah. can see. Yes, very much. Which so. I didn't really realize when I was, you know, working on it. Yeah. Yeah. Was there a, was there a moment, I mean, obviously when the Pulitzer Prize was awarded, uh, that was a, a good sign, but was there a moment when you were uh, performing the play or deep into the rehearsals when, when you felt like this is, um, this is an extraordinary thing that will last the test of time? I don't think I thought that, but uh, um, I... I was too uh, consumed with because uh, it's not an easy it's not an easy uh, role. Oh no! You know, uh, I I I uh, I remember <laughs> I was saying I don't I don't remember if I told Chud this years later, but it's like it's my you know it takes place in this boathouse that is Sally's place, yeah. and for some reason. <laughs> You know, it's a love story, but it's a um, it's a pretty pretty lot of uh, uh, you know. There's a lot to overcome. There's a lot of of uh, uh, so it's not it's not an easy. He says, you know what Matt says. This is a waltz. Remember one mm-hmm. two three one two three. But then it's it's a little bit more rough than a waltz. But then, Sa- then Sally comes on. And, uh, yes, uh, exactly. Yeah. And yeah. and what I always felt was, which is sort of silly, but I think I was thinking as Sally, like, what is he doing welcoming the audience into my place? <laughs> you know what I mean? It used to kind of irk yeah, me. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. That's very good. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then um, you know the uh, you guys did that for a while. You took it to Los Angeles, as I recall, um, yes. and then brought it back to Broadway and had a had a very good run, a very successful run there. Yes. Um, 
following following that, uh, Lanford uh, att uh, attempted a third. He attempted to put a cap on it, I guess, uh, uh, and create the, a trilogy out of it. And it was originally it had a different title. Originally, it was called A Tale Told, I believe. Yes. And uh, you were involved in that production as well. Yes. Yes. You know, I was just looking at that before this call mm -hmm. because I I just because I got down this book that exists where they're all three in one book. Yeah, sure. And uh, I was sort of reading in that, in that play and wow, I thought I want to go back and reread this play. I had a very small part in that because Sally just comes in um, from, it happened, it takes place the same night that Tally's Folly takes place, right. but up at the house and Sally's family is really, <laughs> really like the worst of America, as far as, you know, they're, they're kind of like really in trouble in terms of, well, they're rich, they're, they're, don't get along with each other, they, um, they're prejudiced, um, etc. Worried about the um, wrong things. Yeah, except for the aunt, the aunt is someone who, I was just reading the section where the aunt says, uh, Sally comes in and says, I'm going away with Matt Friedman. That's funny. When I said that, you know, yeah. I started to cry. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Um, but, and then the aunt who has been hoping that Sally will find someone gets so excited and says, it's me. It's me going on that bus. You know, uh, she's the one person in the family that Sally had a good relationship yeah. with. She's the mischievous angel, uh, as Matt yeah. uh, defines her. Yeah. Um, uh, and this is a slightly silly question, but um, has anyone ever asked you to do um, um, Fifth of July? No. <laughs> no, no. But I was thinking that would be interesting. I... Actually, I put together something. I never uh, performed it, but I put something together where Sally would be the one introducing the scene rather than Matt as Sally at an older age. Uh -huh. And because she's carrying this, um, the ashes of Matt. Right, right. In, and, and yeah, yeah, it, it's, it would, it, it's an interesting, thought, although um, I don't do that much acting anymore. I'm, I'm not really in the professional scene. Right, now. right, sure. Well, um, we are delighted that you were, um, and uh, I know that uh, anyone who, um, who cares about this industry feels the same way, and, and uh, I appreciate uh, your time with us today. Oh, uh, yeah. We are uh, we're indebted to the work that uh, that you and uh, Judd and uh, Marshall Mason and Lanford Wilson did on this play, and uh, and certainly the American Theater is indebted to the work that all of you did uh, at Circle Rep. Um, well, I think it's great that you're doing the play, and you said you're enjoying it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's something. It's something. It really is something. It does, you know, it does feel like poetry, and it also feels uh, inevitable, the, the text feels inevitable, um, <laughs> yeah. uh, which is not something that one comes across that often, in, in, uh, right. e even in some of the best uh, plays. So, 
so something something good happened in that little boat house in 1944 yes. so uh so thank you again for joining us today we uh, we appreciate it very much and uh, we wish you all the best with all things uh, in the future thank you very much and you're very welcome thank you for listening our production of tally's folly will run from thursday january 23rd through sunday february 9th for tickets or more information, please visit our website at burningcoal.org or give us a call at 919-834-4001.